This is episode 235 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome to episode 235 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Serena Holmes on the show to talk about private lending. So Serena is a career entrepreneur. She went to school for journalism and uh, ended up doing marketing promotions for a company while she was uh, finishing up school. And uh, before she knew it, she was a full-time entrepreneur as an events coordinator with up to a thousand independent contractors working under her. So uh, no small task. And then she translated that into selling the company through a mergers and acquisition company. And uh, now she works full-time private lending. So she has a base of capital that she uses to lend out. And uh, she's also got her realtor license. So today we really focused in on developing yourself, educating, learning, higher hiring coaches, uh, getting education externally in other ways, and then taking that information and implementing it. And uh, I think that's so huge uh, in this specific community. There are just so many people that are big on personal development and education. I consider myself very fortunate to have so many of them around me because the mindset is contagious and uh, I'm constantly learning and I'm constantly uh, adding new, very valuable people to my network, which I appreciate. So I think you're going to get a lot of, out of this episode uh, digging in on this topic. I want to remind you that if you're in enjoying this podcast, please share it with somebody that you think it could help. There are just so many different podcasts and so much different content out there these days that uh, the biggest and best way that this thing can continue to grow is by you sharing it. So I would greatly appreciate that. And then of course, if you haven't already reviewed it on Apple Podcasts, that's another big thing that uh, really helps the show to grow. So I'd really appreciate both those if you haven't already done that please do. And if you, of course, know somebody that uh, would benefit from the show, please share it with. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the episode with uh, Serena Holmes, episode 235. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Serena Holmes on the show, a uh, friend of a friend connected us. And uh, today, I guess we're going to talk about some private lending and other things. Yeah. Serena, thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, starting things off, can you just give us the, the backstory you, you just did for me off camera, which I forgot <laughs> yeah. to tell you, don't tell me anything until we get the cameras rolling. Yeah. Uh, but uh, give me the, the high level backstory on you, uh, what drew you to get into private lending in the first mm -hmm. place or real estate investing in general. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, so I guess looking back, I had my own business for 18 years that I just sold last year. And I think I was about eight years in and I was like, I've been winging it this whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure I'd benefit from a coach. Like, there's lots that I don't mm -hmm. know. And the biggest takeaway that I had from my first coach was that I had too much money in the bank, which is a good problem to have as a business a owner. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, at the time I had probably yeah. a year and a half worth of operating costs. Mm -hmm. And she encouraged me to start investing it. Mm-hmm. And at the time I, you know, went through the process thing, well, I'll just buy a rental property. Like that seems to be the first step that most yeah. people take. And I didn't feel like I could qualify for very much. So I was trying to consider other options. And at that time the dollar was at par. So I decided to buy a short-term rental in Florida instead because I could buy it for cash, like at 125000 So this was back when? Uh, that was 2013 13. that we bought it. Decent so time to buy it on there. It was a little later, like obviously the market had started to rebound a little mm -hmm. bit, con considering yeah, say compared, the crash was in yeah. like 08. Yeah. But the whole point was a dollar's par. 
I knew oh, that yeah, I could that benefit from. Still a good time to buy down there. Not being par eventually. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I, I knew that it yeah. wouldn't take overly long for that to kind of bounce back the way that it yeah. had been. So we went down that process and learned a lot. I mean, you have to have certain things set up in order to to be buying in the States, mm-hmm. to manage paying bills. Their systems are a lot different than ours are here. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest trouble we had was just vacancy. And, you yeah. know, I thought we'll be booked most of the year and we were booked maybe three months of the year. So we had a mm-hmm. lot of issues with just keeping it booked because it wasn't a hub for people coming down. Um, but kept it, doubled my money in four years. Yeah. And then I was like, what now? <laughs> what yeah, do I do? Yeah. Uh, so my events agency started staffing events with Keyspire in Texas and Florida. And that was just a scalable solution for them. So they could send down one or two people from their events team. We'd staff up the rest. So that was and your business, a staffing agency? It was event staffing and event okay. planning. So it was a bit of both, depending on what people wanted. Um, and then obviously, Keyspire got on my radar. I had all this money sitting there that I wanted to reinvest with. And I just hadn't decided what my next move would be. So I went to their first event uh, with Mike Combs Jr. and Darren Voros, then got sucked into their system (laughs) and then went to their investor summit. And, you know, I had a very clear idea that I wanted to use the cash to buy properties with and use my HELOC for other investing. So I did a fair amount. Like I bought two properties, invested in three syndicated mortgages and a land Mm -hmm. deal. So did a lot all at once. And then um, a girlfriend I was talking to and she's like, you have to meet my mortgage broker you should do private lending. Like I make more doing that than I do for my business. Mm-hmm. And then I exclusively started working with him for about three, four years. And then I just expanded that um, through the referral network within Keyspire last year. So you're, are you working direct with borrowers now? Uh, both. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I work with two mortgage brokers and then I work with probably eight or 10 different companies and people. Okay. And are you investing like your RSPs or is it all just cash? Uh, so I use my home equity line of credit. So yeah. obviously when I started, it was 3%. Now it's obviously gone up, but yeah. I'm primarily lending out anywhere from 16 to 18%. So then okay. I'm obviously making that spread. Okay. So you make a spread. So you're doing like seconds and thirds and, and stuff um, like that? Primarily unsecured peanuts. Okay. <laughs> most people are like, what? But, yeah. you know, usually there's almost always a property that's included in that or there's like a larger development and stuff like that. Well, and so. a covenant. Um, you know, I think that uh, you can get yourself into trouble even with secured deals if you're lending to the Absolutely. wrong people. Uh, yeah. Or unqualified people who aren't capable. Yeah. I think part of the benefit for you is that you're, you're lending to people who... Um, have a track record of of doing good business in real estate. Absolutely. It doesn't mean that things can't go wrong. Oh, like even can. right now, like mm-hmm. I've done 60 deals in five years. And for the most part, most things have yeah. gone smooth with the exception of a couple delays. Um, and I have a borrower that I've worked with three or four times and he's been a little mm-hmm. bit late right now. So I'm able to put a lien on his primary residence written into the agreement that way. So I yeah. do have leverage. So it's do you have not... like a lawyer do this up for you? And mm-hmm. then it just, it doesn't get registered unless there's a default? That's that correct. It's well, done? it's he's in default by just one month at this point. So the right. demand letter has gone out. The lien is already so set you're up. Are, you're able to do that immediately. You don't need anything special. It's already no. Nope, everything's already set up and ready to go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that everything will kind of. I think it's just a cert. He's in like a cash crunch situation. Yeah. But you know, he kept saying, "Well, it'll be next week or the week after," and you know, that's happened a few times in a row. So I mean, my mm. 
my general parameters are no more than 50,000 a deal. So it's not like this yeah, is going to bankrupt yeah, me if I can't get it. Of course, that's, I want to resolve it. That's but, wise. Yeah. Like not putting all the eggs in one basket. And, and mm -hmm. I particularly would have trouble with that strategy just for that that exact reason. Just mm -hmm. that not being in control of things is something I have had to coach myself on yeah. being okay with sometimes. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, when you're not in control of things, obviously no one cares about your money as much as you do. Of course. And uh, you just, yeah, you got to have a, a way of hedging. And, and that's a great idea to just yeah. kind of limit it at 50. Well, I'd rather have like 20 deals at 50 than oh, like yeah. two deals at... I mean, like, there's more administration. <laughs> you know? I mean, obviously from an administration standpoint, two at, at a million each is, you know, great. But... Yeah. Uh, well, it's not that yeah. much. I mean, you obviously set up your deals and then at that point, you're just getting your deposits and stuff like that, right? So it's mm -hmm. really not that much work on my end. But I kind of no. fell into it more so because... You know, I was planning to start my family and I wanted to take a step back from work and I just thought I'd rather yeah. leave that retained money into the business. Yeah. So I really ramped that up in 2019, cut my pay back in half and then COVID yeah. happened. So I didn't want to take any money out, but I was able to literally just dial up the private lending and yeah. I've been living off of it for the past three, four years. So how much uh, like uh, money have you allocated for that business? Um. <clears throat> Right now I use my Helox, so there's probably about 600,000 there. And then I also used some money that I had in my business, which was right. probably around 400,000 or something so like that. About so million. about a million out. But when I actually yeah. run the numbers in terms of like what will come back based on like all of the investments, I'm mm. probably four or 500,000 ahead of that based on some of the things that I have are like longer term plays that would come back. Oh, in. so like the, you're just saying you'll recoup more. I re recoup what I have. Like and a land deal. Like, are you in equity more. land deals as well? A couple. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Those, so are, will... those are growing. They're they're accumulating. Exactly. I mean, yeah. Hypothetically, if you were, say, for for the example, that you were just borrowing 1 million on a HELOC, yeah. we could run a number on that. Say you were able to get 16, even 15% on that consistently. Yeah. Um, so then that's $150,000. What would you be paying on that right now if it was all the HELOCs? It'd be like seven and a bit. Um, paying 7.7, I think at the moment. So seven, seven. when I started it, I was paying me 1500 a month in my HELOC. Now I'm sitting around 3700 yeah. but I'm still yeah. bringing in obviously like much more than that. <laughs> so, Well, we did the example. So, so that's a $73,000 a year profit. Mm hmm on borrowing the bank's money, if you can get those numbers. Now, not everybody's yeah. gonna pay those numbers. Some people still pay less, some people pay more. Depends yeah. on who they are <laughs> and how yeah. established they are. And right? it's changed, like at yeah. the beginning of last year, there were some deals that I did that were in the 12 to 14% yeah. range, yeah. and that was fine mm -hmm. because no one knew all of a sudden we're gonna get hit with like 12 mortgage rate increases yeah, yeah. in a row, right? Yeah. So I'm still profitable, but mm -hmm. now obviously as those come to maturity, I'm either yeah. negotiating higher interest or I'm rolling mm -hmm. them into other deals. Yeah. So it just depends on what the opportunities are. and by yeah. You know, I have a, a big list right now of people constantly raising, like to the point that I can't fulfill everything, but people will come to me asking. Yeah, well, sometimes. that's a, you're getting out there too, right? You you mentioned off camera that you you're doing the synergy mastermind, so you're getting around a lot of people, yeah. like getting yourself out there, and just being a convenient access. Like yeah. you're you're naturally gonna, hey, you got some money, okay. Well, and people, I think when you start sharing yeah. it, like I think. The reason I started doing podcasts in the first place was because I wrote a book. So I was like, I'm going to promote my book and get in front of all these other networks. But mm -hmm. then other things would come up around real estate and investing. And the reality is that a lot of people that would watch them mm -hmm. are not in case fire synergy, wealth genius. So they have no idea that mm -hmm. this exists. And obviously that sounds attractive to think you could yeah. be making passive income with access to what you have or using, yeah. say, registered funds that are 
dying in the bank at 5%, right? That's so, a big one. Like getting getting the RSPs working uh, is something that that I think that so many people could take advantage of, like through either yeah. private lending or like equity investing. Absolutely, um, yeah. Like REIT investing, like District REIT's a sponsor of this show. Uh, yeah. And that's something that they do with, uh, with the RSPs. Like that's a whole world that like you said, a lot of people aren't aware of. I think that people who listen to these podcasts, a lot of them already are. But then again, there are some people kind of coming in from yeah. knowing absolutely nothing about real estate. And well, I mean, from doing these podcasts, I started having probably three or five people reach out every time I did it, even people in the States. Like when I did mm -hmm. Joe Fairless, I had all these Americans reaching out. It's like, well, I can't nice. help you. Like, I don't know anyone in the States. So mm -hmm. just in terms of investing across the border, I, was, I wasn't sure exactly how that would play out with their taxes and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So you haven't done that yet. So I hadn't done that. But the purpose is that, like I started yeah. tracking all of these people and that way when I knew people also raising, I could at least be like, well, I, I'm aware of these opportunities and mm -hmm. stuff like that now, just to introduce them to what's out there should they want to move forward. Yeah. So, you know, even one company that I'm connected to, I was able to bring them close to a million dollars for one of their deals just by sharing it with like 20 people. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's been nice and fulfilling to know that I can help other people achieve some of their goals when it comes to their finances. Like, I can't, I can only do so much myself, right? So mm -hmm. it's mutually beneficial to kind of connect some of these people that maybe aren't in these groups and maybe they don't have dreams of having a giant multifamily portfolio, but they do obviously want to benefit from the passive income. So they're just wanting to put some money out and you know people looking yeah. and then just connecting them. Mm -hmm. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the the backstory. Like, are you still doing the event planning business? You know, what's what's your typical week look like? Give me an <clears> idea of, of how yeah. that all works. <laughs> well, everything yeah. got turned upside down. Um, so, like I said, I was looking to start my family back in 2019, and mm. I had one employee that I had promoted and trained to be my mat leave replacement. I'd had her for six years, mm. and she resigned two months after my daughter was born. So I had a bit of a Oh, a panic okay. attack. I was like, how do I run my business? Mm. Like, you know, there's 10 of us full time, 2000 plus part time across Canada and the States. You had 2000 um, part time employees. Mm -hmm. Well, event staff. So they're independent contractors. Oh, they're so they work okay, event to event. I mean, you how always have employees? a tenant full time. And full time. Okay. Yeah. So I basically ended up um, signing with a mergers and acquisitions company to sell the company. Mm -hmm. And then literally COVID happened like three weeks later. So events were just out, out the well, window. Well, yeah, like we lost three or 400,000 in booked business. We lost over a million in our pipeline, like in days, like it was yeah. in literally very, very fast. Yeah. And um, good luck selling a company during a pandemic. So yeah, you had to wait that all out, right? Yeah, so all that was happening. So I basically let my team go. I kept one person just to be able to scale when we did have things coming up. Like, you know, obviously we had lockdown for six months maybe we mm. could work like October to December, then we're in lockdown again. So that was this whole like roller coaster. Oh, that would have been a horrendous uh, yeah. situation. So we just, I really, my focus was just keeping it going so that I could sell it and have something to sell when we came out on the other end of it. So mm. um, really the true value of the business at that point, like I didn't have employees, I had no office anymore. It was our business um, online. So we had done a lot of SEO since 2012. We still mm. ranked on the first page of Google for hundreds of keywords. So that was okay. really the value to other agencies. So um, the one girl I kept resigned a year ago last January, and I just talked to the mergers and acquisitions company and I said, we've had two years to sell this. Like, hasn't happened yet. Now my back's against the wall because I know we're gonna get very busy and I don't have the time to dedicate to towards all, this. Yeah. I, I know I'm not going to build it back up to where we were. And at this point, I'd already transitioned into getting my real estate license, all of the real estate investing. And mm. I just, I couldn't see myself going back to 
the volume that we were used to. So I had it sold in two weeks. Like I, I got a release. I spoke to 15 agencies. I had six interested and four offers and it was like done in two weeks and then we closed two weeks after so it moved very very and quickly that at that point when? uh that was february of last year okay so we closed on valentine's day <laughs> so and with that you were able to put some more money into yeah i was able to kind of products. move away from from everything else um so now it's exclusively mortgages and you have your real estate license yep. are you doing deals yet um i'm doing some like i kind of yeah. wanted to have a slower entry into it just because my daughter's young so i wanted to like have the weekends at the cottage and enjoy the time yeah. when she was small so i how old is she now then three uh, three and a half yeah. so we've been enjoying that time and mm -hmm. um so i've I'm still taking clients but i'm not like buried in open houses on the weekend and mm -hmm. i'm not outdoor knocking or anything like that how do you find the the difference like uh having done the business you did which was more corporate yeah probably you were you know just the boss at the top you know giving the orders to now you're you know working directly with clients going out i mean that's a very drastic change yeah well i mean obviously i i was in the trenches for the first 10 years of my business where i was mm -hmm brought in for operations. So I was running so the events. The I was doing the bookkeeping. Well, you wear all the hats early on. Wearing all the yeah, hats. Like yeah. for 10 full years, I did all of that. And mm -hmm. then we got to the point where I was finally able to start like hiring more people, delegating and stuff, even when it came to the sales. So at the end of the day, when it's your mm -hmm. business, like there will be times that you always get sucked back in. So it's, mm -hmm. I think the biggest difference is that we were very much like B2B. So we're dealing with corporate clients. Obviously, there's not a lot of doesn't mean emotion can't get involved but it's not like an emotional business that's great it's transactional so nice. it was good yeah. um as a residential realtor i can tell you it can be very emotional very, well that's um, yeah that's very different yeah so i think yeah. that's been interesting like i've had a couple of clients going through divorces going through different stages and i would say like I've had some really amazing clients and then the other 50 percent made me question mm. ever getting my license i'm like why am i doing this yeah <laughs> so what's your what's your methodology for um for growing that business is it just referrals from from people that are in your network mm -hmm. uh so i did try some things in the beginning like i sent out mail outs for about five months i had a lean gen system and those were all very costly and i'd say from doing five months of mail outs and five months of lead gen i got one booking where really. were you mailing out to uh so my area in pickering so like just farming the neighborhoods kind of closer so you're just to me. geo farming specific area mm -hmm. how many houses across i think i started with 7500 houses my first month yeah. and then it's so expensive that i cut yeah. it back to like three thousand yeah. um so between both of those i still probably spent like 10 or fifteen thousand, and ultimately got you know a couple clients out of it but not like for mm. the spend you would expect it to be more i was, I was talking so. to a guy that and he was on the podcast and i gotta go back and listen to this podcast i think he said he had 300 houses on his little yeah. geo farm list and he had like something like seven active clients out of yeah. it i think i just have to door knock like on his as yeah, much as I don't want to do it, I think he would go in that I area. I just got to walk around hey, my neighborhood. Just wanted to say hi. Wanted to make sure you got my my mailing. Well, I most just, realtors don't do it. Like oh, I've lived yeah, in the same totally. house for twelve years, and no one's yeah. ever come to the door. See, this so. is this is something I always thought would be so fun when I heard about this geo farming strategy. I thought it would be so fun to just have the license and go try that because yeah. it seems like you can, like to to a, a select group of three hundred houses, you could look like an absolute real estate monster. Oh, that Andrew guy! I see his mailings yeah. twice a month. He's always giving market stats. This guy knows his stuff. Yeah, you can create the image that you are like the master of that neighborhood, yeah. and then who yeah. wouldn't call you, right? Exactly. So yeah. I think it's 
there's that side of it. And the thing is yeah. with my business, we were everywhere. Like we were a national business. So I have yeah. clients that are all over. So my first couple of listings were in Mississauga. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, like for me coming from Pickering, that's that's yeah, not that's ideal. Why, that's where you want to be more geo-focused yeah. and then just have a network and, and really establish. Because a lot of realtors are investors and they end up on the show. And I, yeah. I'm always so fascinated because I find the entrepreneurship real estate blend is very um intriguing yeah i mean uh, it was complimentary to the investing yeah, the which is why i got the license because yeah. looking back i was th we were three months into covid when i registered for it because mm. at that time no one knew how long covid would last so i thought well maybe my business will never operate again so i just wanted to have something to fall back on yeah. but the reality is that i think the investing is more of a an interest to me like if i can ideally get the seat at the table as a gp doing capital raising like I would prefer to spend my time that way. And some weeks I could even spend hours on the phone talking to people about opportunities. So I yeah. think it's naturally evolving that way. And if yeah. I could just take maybe one or two real estate clients at, at a time and then just put that money towards other investing, that would be mm -hmm. like the perfect world, I guess you could say. Yeah. So. Yeah. Just take on a few. That, that makes that makes total sense, right? Not, not wanting to, to go crazy with it as I was sort of getting at before like i think just having a really great network of other realtors in other areas where you yeah. can take a piece of those clients like you know they can handle them and then you don't have to do it and then you can just yeah. take a lot of little pieces yeah i'm big on multiple streams of income so Absolutely. i just like yeah just get that churn and get it get it generating and then just keep building and that's one of the things like i started as an exclusive real estate investor i was well i guess i was an entrepreneur as a mortgage agent but mm -hmm. uh, i've i've really started to think more like an entrepreneur and that everything should generate money like yeah. there should be money coming from all kinds of different areas yeah you know a part of that even having sponsors of the podcast is yeah. it, it, before it used to just cost money now now it makes some money too yeah well i launched my own yeah. as well and the girl yeah. that helped me kind of get off the ground said that like just pause in the middle for a sponsor break even at that time when i was I didn't have any sponsors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I offered my first couple of months complimentary, and then I have now paid sponsors lined up for the third month and the fourth month. Wow. So ideally, like I'll That's have cool. that covering its costs and then a little bit yeah. extra. So What's that your I podcast can, about? Just um, investing? Inspired to Invest Inspired is the name. Invest, yeah. So obviously, it made sense that yeah. I just found that as I got to know people, like what I find really interesting is that a lot of times people feel like real estate investing is very elusive and mm. intimidating and overwhelming. And they're like, I can't do that. You know, and it, mm. then you start talking to people and they're like, no, they're a project manager at Nike, or maybe they were a stay at home mom, or maybe they had all these different backgrounds, but they decided to educate themselves, take chances. And now they have these mm. like eight figure portfolios or, you know, mm. one, one group I know, like they've got 500 million under management in like a year, you know, it's these amazing things that they've done. But when you look at their background, like, yeah. It's no different than anyone else. They just decided to make a change. So I found that my premise of the podcast is to focus on where they were, like bridge the gap to where they are now, talk about the catalysts that push them in that direction. Yeah. And then obviously like their challenges, like the crazy things that have happened and their learnings and stuff like that. Okay. So on that note, uh, <laughs> tell me about where it started for you to, to be an entrepreneur in the first place. Like why yeah. did you do that rather than just go the traditional route, get a job, get a good pension? Yeah retire one day well i even wrote a book about it yeah. <laughs> so it's called the accidental entrepreneur okay and literally it's because it was an accident like i never had any intention of running my own business but i had been working in events throughout university i was working at a gym and someone's like you should really get into promotions and at this time it was before facebook and social media so i was had no idea what that meant but ultimately i was hired on with an agency sampling appleton rum and grand marnier at events golf tournaments mm -hmm. restaurants and stuff like that and then just through that network, started working with three and four different agencies. And when I came out of school for journalism, like 
learned that that's not very easy to just get a job in. And literally this, like my backup plan became my career. So I was offered an opportunity to work part-time with the agency mm -hmm. that I later came to own. So I was offered management, management became partnership six months later. Mm -hmm. And then the woman that um, founded the company decided to leave for mm -hmm. personal reasons four years in. So we went through a buyout in 2008 and then I ran it for 14 more years. Wow. Yeah. It's funny how like a lot of people go to university thinking they're going to do one thing and I almost cringe at it now because I think most degrees and I don't mean to offend anybody but they <laughs> don't actually go anywhere from a career standpoint. Yeah. Like there it's hey you learned something and you can know a lot about that but how is that applicable? Yeah. And uh like a good friend of mine he does like web design work for me now and he got a business degree at school and then he was just doing graphic design and web web design. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I got to go get my like official career. I'm like, man, you like to work in your basement and your boxers. Like, yeah. why why would you want to go and work a corporate job? And he eventually yeah. just said, oh, no, this is what I'm going to do. Well, exactly. And a I think it just did. depends on yeah. your skills. Like in in my case, like everything yeah. was kind of shifting in that industry when I graduated. Yeah. So it was very difficult to work anywhere and at the end of the day like you have yeah. to kind of start in a really small market and then work your way up like for and journalism. I didn't that's a, that's a relevant to, like, degree. Or it's wherever. definitely a relevant degree um like if, you, if you're passionate about it you could still start your own independent uh you can yeah <laughs> like, I mean I think the skills that I learned still yeah. were helpful like mm. obviously now even having a well, podcast, now you have a podcast like, and you can, can use... edit things like very quickly because I yeah. went to school for stuff like that right yeah. so I think all of the skills kind of still came together in different ways um mm. but it just like I said it wasn't my intention to necessarily yeah. do that but I think it did work out to my benefit as opposed to working yeah. for like a news station yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I imagine like what you've learned, like the ability to take risks, to make logical decisions because you're not controlled by fear. And once people have taken the dive to be an entrepreneur in some level, whether it's just buying a, an investment property yeah. or going full out, you know, full time business. Yeah. Uh, once you once you've demystified that, like the world's your oyster. Now yeah. you can do so many more things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I feel like real estate investing is a gateway drug for entrepreneurs, <laughs> entrepreneurship. <laughs> And, uh, you know, why we end up talking about it so much yeah. on this podcast. Well, and I think it's just at the end of the day, it's not <clears throat> necessarily the investing that's so powerful. It's everything that it gives you. Like it's having that financial freedom or, as mm -hmm. I've said, the freedom of time. So when I had my daughter, like if I was still running my business, I wouldn't have as much time yeah. or focused time that I have with her. And the pandemic was almost that blessing in disguise. Mm -hmm. And having all the investing to fall back on gave me the ability to do that. Like I wasn't obviously gonna go out and get a job <laughs> like when my daughter yeah. was three months old, right? So it's funny how like, you could just rule that out and then and then you focus on, okay, how do I grow my income? It's not so, like the vernacular, like some people like it's like, oh, I need a job. No, you need an income. <laughs> hopefully several incomes. Yeah, yeah, and, ideally. That's what I say. The yeah. riskiest thing is to have one job. And I've had family that, you know, they're so dependent on it. My mom included, you mm. know, worked for the same company for 12 years, was let go, and she literally never really bounced back. Like, she ended up working at a grocery store now for the last 15 years. Mm. And it's just, you know, was always just too comfortable, complacent, working that job, working paycheck to paycheck. And I mm. just, I feel like I learned a lot from my mom. And I, it sounds really mean to be like, you know, everything I've done is to end up not like her, like just not have the mm. challenges and the struggles that she had. 
And I feel like I'm very focused on diversifying my income and having all these different things coming in because I never want to find myself in the situation that she found herself in. That's a big motivator. My, my parents were similar motivator for me, just the way they struggled. <laughs> and in a time where it was far easier to make it with one parent working and one staying at home. Yeah. I have four siblings. We had a big family and my dad's a school teacher. My mom, you know, worked home business, but it wasn't really enough. Yeah. And, you know, I heard that all growing up is like, oh, we can't afford this or whatever. I'm like, I never want that language in yeah. my life. Like, I just don't. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm always like way. cost sensitive. Like, it I feel like good. because I was always yeah. scrappy, always paying for things myself. But at the same time, it's kind of nice yeah. to know, like, I can still splurge when I want to. And it's not like oh, I'm yeah. not going to be able to pay my bills. Like, I've never been in a situation where I, right. I can't, you know, like you just try to make those careful calculated decisions it's, yeah it's better to yeah you make calculated decisions don't waste money like i'll look at our credit card statement and say this is a ridiculous one <laughs> <laughs> this is a ridiculous number yeah. you should never spend that much um just because you don't need to like yeah. there's there's being wise and then uh coming from a place of fear like i can't yeah and that that i never wanted yeah no, absolutely. Uh, but the nice thing as an entrepreneur is you can just go out and say okay now let's add streams of income let's yeah. add what can we do to monetize further what can we do to grow this yeah and uh, I'm seeing that in the real estate-based businesses, like hospitality, what mm -hmm. we're doing with our camp and the resort is, it's all about, okay, how do we take this to the next level? Yeah. And on that note, what are you doing in terms of taking it to the next level? Like you have your base of capital, obviously that'll naturally compound and grow, yeah. but you're also living off of it too. Yeah. So what's the plan to grow? Is there one, I know mm -hmm. you were saying you were kind of, you know, the realtor part, that's a yeah. piece. What else? Yeah. So last year, I guess it was last July, I put in an offer on um, multifamily property in Cape Breton that was 22 units across six properties. So it was a package mm -hmm. of properties. And the way the numbers showed was that it would cash flow $80,000 a year after the mortgage and expenses. So I was kind of happy. Like if I'm putting 500000 into something like that, like I'd be happy with that kind of passive income. Um, didn't pan out. Uh, at the end of the day, the seller felt more comfortable with the other offer that was mm -hmm. even lower just because I had, would be buying it sight unseen obviously right. going out for due diligence, but I just felt more comfortable. Like I'm not gonna fly out every single time I, I go somewhere. And again, mm -hmm. I, I looked at that you as like- it secured first. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I yeah. you can't just fly out for every single property no, for not it's, local. No, it's better to get it under contract. <laughs> so, it's way better to get it under contract exactly. and then do your analysis and due diligence. Yeah, so I still have a, an interest in that, but I think what I've decided is mm -hmm. that I'm not gonna go and just like borrow multifamily by myself. So I'll probably mm -hmm. joint venture with someone. I still like the idea of, the numbers in the East mm -hmm. Coast. So like I've seen some examples for say like a sixplex, you can buy for 250,000, spend 100,000 renovating, reappraise it at 900,000, get your capital back, get your really? share you of the money on a refi. At 900? I've had a couple, like there's probably three investors I've connected with that have all shared like really attractive examples. So if I could put money into something like that, maybe even diversify in two projects where your capital's coming back mm -hmm. in a year to a year and a half, you're yeah. still growing that equity. So it's going to be still like a long-term buy and hold, but mm -hmm. you're getting your capital back so you can repurpose that and keep reinvesting it like every year to year and a half mm -hmm. um, and then continue to grow the portfolio that way. Like I think it just mm -hmm. makes sense for me to have those strategic partnerships. Like why would I struggle through something like that when there's people that have systems, they have these things in yeah. place, like they're they're doing it and maybe I can learn along the way and eventually I would do it myself. But mm -hmm. I think to get started, it would just make more yeah, sense to more... do that with someone way yeah. better to just go you know 
basically get paid to go to university yeah. and and study somebody who's a master yeah so ideally like that would be it. on the capital side yeah. with my business money. so would you fund that or would you use um, i would be the money partner so ideally i would use that partner? i would come in as a money partner in a joint money. venture exactly okay and then like i said I, i'm interested in getting a seat at the table as a gp with someone that maybe is looking to scale and maybe they are limited in their own networks or their abilities or something mm. like that and then I can continue to grow and have equity so you'll there. Do some raising, uh, ideally. Like I'd like okay. to work towards that. Um, that was even part of the reason mm -hmm. I wanted to launch the podcast, just so that I can start kind of growing. Yeah, that network. network and that audience. And then obviously on the HELOC side, like obviously that's not going anywhere. <laughs> so I can so continue that, to yeah. keep investing that, and that kind of really yeah. funds my life. Like that pays for all my bills and and my lifestyle. Okay, so talk to me about how you, because this is a business, like how are you running this income through your structure so that you can show income to the bank? Because this is one of the problems. I know other people who do this. <clears throat> I know a guy who does arbitrage specifically. Yeah. He's borrowing and then lending it at a higher amount. And um, banks don't love it. <laughs> I'm sure they, they don't As really know what you're income. doing. Right. So well, it you depends get a on lot how of you can disguise it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you have T5 well, income, uh, that's certainly going to help. A couple of years of T five. I'm not income. disguising anything. I, I, do you mean in terms of buying well, the it properties? Could be, it could be. Um, I, I guess it's if it's personal. I think in his case, he had a lot of it was just personal stuff, and it showed yeah. up as income everywhere. But yeah, if you're just showing a nice, clean T five income, yeah, I have a collection year, of T fives that would all go come on my in. Income. Yeah. So I think so that then you looks show a consistent clean. couple of years. You just say oh, my investments pay me. Yeah. So uh, that's what I've. Yeah. That's how pretty I pay much myself them. too. But then yeah. on the business side, like ideally, anything I buy, I think would be six or five doors or, and higher, so that mm -hmm. the the buildings ultimately. You're looking at the business income, like it's not your personal income to. Yeah, qualify. yeah, that's uh, commercial acquisition. Yeah, yeah, that's different. I'm, yeah, I'm more just thinking like you want to go buy your own home one day, but you're absolutely right on yeah. that side. They don't even care. Yeah. Um, for those who are just doing, you know, residential lending, um, definitely if you were if you were into that business, I would strongly recommend using a corporate structure for it. Talk yeah. to your accountant, of course. But yeah. uh, for me, like. I have a parent company and then anything I do is under that parent company. So I could have multiple sources of income, but all cleanly come through one T5. Yeah. And that just helps so much when the bank's trying to like Understand approve you <laughs> and show consistency yeah. in income. Well, I yeah. can have a whole bunch of different sources, but you know, it always works out and I have a consistent income. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. yeah I mean, I have my corporate structure as well. It's just because I'm using my HELOC yeah. and the yeah. interest is tax deductible, obviously. Right. Like, so you're that deducting that on the personal side yeah. and then I have other things so you that just write that as a business expense against the t5 kind of thing uh more or less it's more like a less. reverse smith maneuver so instead of like refinancing my mortgage so it's, to invest it's with by the company I from you i know uh, i'm not lending into the company like it's yeah. just you can write off the interest when you're investing because it's yeah. anything to make an income right oh yeah yeah the smith remover you maneuver you yeah. were referring to that's yeah. when you uh refinance you your mortgage refinance to take your money out to so invest you with. can invest yeah. and then it's tax deductible yeah so it's like yeah. i didn't refinance to do it i'm just using the yeah, access yeah. to equity in the same way right so you're yeah. just you're just showing that as an expense a business yeah. expense and yeah. then on the income side it's all t5 yeah Okay. Yeah, there are, I think, maybe one or two instances because it's a GPLB structure where they've set it up as a capital gain. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit different. So, for example, when my accountant did my taxes last year, he thought that I would owe more. But because of how oh, some income. of the T5s were issued, yeah, it yeah. ended up actually yeah. being less. So I still made the same, but the tax yeah, impact was yeah. less. That's nice if you can just <clears throat> not have the taxes. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Just no taxes. Just keep finding ways yeah. to do that. Yeah. Okay, so we've covered the the entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. how you went there, uh, what you're looking to do to scale now. Um, 
any plans like to do more in the states i know you you started there right from yeah. an investment standpoint <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and I, I look back like i think if i knew then what i know now it would have made more sense to try to do something more multifamily just because mm-hmm. i think that seems to make sense across the board i just i didn't know any of those things Myers, well not not even to say that <laughs> yeah. was the case but like yeah. just in terms of qualifying like what i could qualify for like a residential yeah. property versus multifamily are two different things like it just yeah it didn't cross my I mind think, i think that so. One of the nicest things about this community is there's so many people that are just thinking big like that. Yeah. In, in the general population, yeah. like the idea of even owning a rental property is a stretch. Whereas in ours, it's, you know, it's like, oh, like, yeah, you need to think bigger, big development, 100,000 square that's foot what, And that's what everyone says. Yeah. Like it, some of the investors I've spoken to, like their biggest regret is not thinking big yeah. because they look at it like, well, if I have a smaller property versus like same 100 effort. units, it's actually easier just have more units under the same umbrella and it's the yeah. same strategy. Because then you but can it's... pay like professional asset managers. Like mm-hmm. once you get into the big stuff, yeah. the end management of it is way more uh, tidy. Streamlined, <laughs> it's yeah. streamlined yeah. tidy. Like companies want to take it on because they want volume. They're not going to yeah. take on your little duplex, but they'll take on, you know, exactly. massive buildings or in uh, my buddy's uh, case for his self-storage, like 100,000 square foot plus yeah. facilities. Yeah. You know, you'll find managers for that stuff. So, yeah. Um, I yeah, that is kind of a regret of mine too. I mean, it's all learning, uh, but yeah. not not thinking bigger, not doing bigger. Yeah, because it's like same effort. You, know, yeah. you put all this effort <laughs> into doing a duplex conversion yeah. or a, an addition or a student rental or whatever. But um, why not? You know, find a way to get the now money in order and yeah. then do bigger. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, again, this just came out from a business coach, so you don't know what you don't know. So at the time, mm-hmm. it was kind of like. Yeah. The low-hanging fruit, like, not to say that was necessarily yeah. easy because mm-hmm. I had to depend on people because I didn't live there and stuff like that. I think a lot of investors are interested in the States because the cap rates are better. The yeah. cash flow stands to be better. Like, you can pick up properties in some instances for yeah. far, far, far less than you could buy here. So I think yeah. it's still an attractive model if you can mm-hmm. set up the legal structure properly. But yeah. I think for what I'm looking to do, it just depends on whoever I decide to join. Yeah, it's, it's all yeah where your partner is. Yeah. is pretty much where you're at. So then your sales pitch to somebody right now is basically you'll be the money partner coming with like a half a mil or whatever yeah. it takes. And, and that's how you'll get the deal done. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there'll be some takers <laughs> probably off of this podcast. I know, like my phone will start ringing off the hook. <laughs> Are you giving your phone number now? You don't yeah. do that. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe a, an email. Yeah. <laughs> that might be worse. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Um, anyways, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Uh, I know we covered the basics. A lot mm-hmm. of times we go uh, go deeper, but like what else is uh, is on your mind if there is anything? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing necessarily. Like, I think we obviously covered a lot. I think for anyone that's watching, I think the main thing to leave them with is just, you know, just to not hold yourself back. Like, there's so many opportunities out there. And I think, like, Mm -hmm. so many people say, like, your network is your net worth. So I think just for me, everything really changed when I joined Keyspire and especially now joining Synergy and just having all these concepts introduced to me that I, you know, infinite banking as an example, like, I, Mm-hmm. Who knew that even existed? And learning everything I've learned about that, it just yeah. blows my mind, right? So I think Are you, you really just now? have to. Uh, yeah, I've got a policy on my desk, like I'm working yeah. towards that. So I think yeah. that's a whole other conversation. Sponsor of my but, show is an infinite banking guy, and yeah, the first the first uh, official sponsor of the show. So yeah, so yeah. you're obviously w- well aware of that. But I think yeah. there's just a lot of information out there. You need to educate yourself, and mm-hmm. ideally, just don't be afraid to to take a step. And just obviously take yeah. calculated action. Like you, you strike me as somebody who's taken a lot of time and money to educate yourself. And going to Keyspire, I mean, a lot of people um, 
who I know came through that program. Yeah. And uh, one of the biggest things I think that that program does is it, it kind of like weeds out those who aren't serious. Yeah. So you get a room full of people who are very willing to take action. Yeah. And that's valuable. And they it's have only going to be a waste if you don't take yeah. action. Like right. I went yeah. in knowing like I have this money in my business. Yeah. I have this money I have access to. Mm-hmm. And how can I put that yeah. to use? Right. And still be careful because at the time, mm-hmm. you know, Keyspy really advocated for certain things. And they're like, oh, you could use all of this. And I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't. I used half of what yeah, I had the access yeah, yeah. to in that capacity. And there have been some delays. So had I done sure. all of it, I would have been oh, yeah, not yeah. thrilled now. So yeah. I think, you know, it's still you still have to be cautious. But 100%. at the same time, just do what works for you. Right. Well, anybody, no matter what, you have to use your own discernment of course. <laughs> for your own situation <laughs> yeah. and make decisions that make sense for you. Just because no matter what anyone else says, like, oh, you should do this. No, you shouldn't. You should think about what makes sense for you. Yeah. Concepts yeah. are out there. You'll and hear so many bad, concepts. Like, what yeah. does that mean for you? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, you got to be able to think through all these things. Like when I went into Ohio and bought my first couple of properties in the States back in 2012, like... I borrowed the money on a line of credit. I didn't know what I didn't know. And yeah. I got myself into a, a bit of hot water. I, you know, I, I was too new and I really didn't think through all the possibilities. Yeah. And I've really, I used that as uh, a huge learning experience and yeah. it, uh, it changed the way I did business. So uh, yeah, that's great if you, you know, if you can learn those lessons, hopefully you don't have to learn them the hard way. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, definitely. So you mentioned a business coach there. Like, would you recommend that people uh, join a program or, or get coaching? Like, I mean, even on the entrepreneur side, yeah. like I know people who are entrepreneurs looking for business coaches, not real estate coaches. Yeah. Do you yeah have, so uh, at the time, like I back in 2012, the whole reason it started is that we were working with Rogers and they had been our biggest client for about seven years and then they restructured. So at the time when it was happening, it didn't feel the blow right away because the airport did this mass amount of work with us that year. And it kind of replaced mm-hmm. the work we did with Rogers. But then coming out of that, I was like, okay, like we really need to bring in new clients. So the two things I did was hire a business coach and start investing mm-hmm. in search engine optimization. So those are yeah. two big investments in the business. Um, the business coach was expensive, like maybe $1,200 for two two-hour meetings a month. And I think I worked with her for three months and she was very like, high level with some stuff. So again, the mm-hmm. investment was one of the biggest things that I took away from her as well as looking at our metrics and our numbers and dashboards. Yeah. But at the time, um, the American Marketing Association has a mentorship exchange. Mm-hmm. So you get matched up with basically another business owner that can help mentor you yeah. in your business. And it was like $700 for the year as opposed to 1200 a month. Oh, okay. And yeah. my benefit was that I was matched up with yeah. a marketing consultant that he's brought in to find all the flaws in a business Mm -hmm. and bake them better. So our first meeting was like eight hours and he totally like deconstructed my whole business, came up Mm -hmm. with this really thorough action plan. So every month I had to do all these different things. My first course of action was hiring a bookkeeper because I'd been doing all my own books for 10 years. Oh, good Lord. Which is very time consuming (laughs) and tedious. And it just, everything changed. Like I was able to go from spending sometimes like two days in a week to like, hitting send and sending money, <laughs> you know? So it was very yeah. transformative. Our business, mm-hmm. um, you know, took that hit immediately in that year, but then we yeah. doubled and then kept growing like 25, 30% every year after that. So huh. I think you've got to be smart, like still interview different options, find yeah. out what's out there, but- Yeah, um, but where does somebody find such a thing? Like you, yours was industry specific, right? You found yeah, people I mean, within your network? Yeah, I mean, obviously we were like an event marketing type of yeah. business. Um, the business coach I hired, I think I just started looking people up, interviewed them the same mm-hmm. way you'd get like three, four quotes interviewed all of them, see who I felt like could offer the most value. And then just through my network was introduced to the mentorship exchange. And that's not necessarily 
like event specific, like marketing can apply to a lot of different businesses. But in my case, I was just very, very fortunate with the mentor that I was matched up with. And I got mm. a lot from that. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on the uh, the coaching side of things and just having an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. Like we can all get lost in our own fog and having an outside perspective that's that's like educated and, yeah. and can see yeah. um, and let us help us see what we don't see yeah. or aren't willing to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, it can be because it can be painful, right? Yeah. And you might not even realize you're procrastinating on some part of your business, but then somebody else comes in and says, that's not as bad as you think. There's a way yeah. around this. And there can be good and bad to that, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had, that was a very successful coach or mentor, mm -hmm. but then I had others that I didn't feel like I was getting a yeah. lot. You know, I did that mentorship program again about five years later and yeah. I was matched up with the CEO of a very large PR company. And mm -hmm. the problem was because she was a CEO of this huge company, she couldn't resonate or relate to my issues as a small business owner. Right, so yeah. she just couldn't doesn't really work. give me feedback so on some of the challenges match. that I had. Yeah. So I think that's just something to kind of yeah, keep in mind. Um, and it, on, on the real estate side, obviously a lot of these organizations yeah. now offer coaching with their package. So if you're trying to analyze a deal or consider an opportunity, obviously it helps mm -hmm. to have that sounding board as opposed to like, you know, in my case, my husband's a mm -hmm. firefighter. I can't be like, hey, what do you think of this? He'll be like, what? So he doesn't really get yeah. involved in any of this stuff? Uh, I mean, I've looped him in. But for the most part, like I would be the driver yeah. with that stuff. But if I was going to talk about the ins and outs, like he just wouldn't mm -hmm. understand it because it's not something that he's he's pursued or educated. Did he in. do the key spar stuff with you? I, no, I couldn't even get him to come to the summit with couldn't me. Get him to go. <laughs> he's like, I'm yeah. going to the cottage. Just like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> not no, everybody wants. No, it's not it. his cup yeah. of tea. Like he's okay, he's more of like if I need something fixed or built, he can do that. But the yeah. idea of sitting in a cold conference room for two days is like not his thing. <laughs> no, it's all right. So. Uh, not everybody needs to do that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so where do people find you and learn more? Yeah, so I think the easiest thing at my profile is Serena Holmes Realtor on Instagram. And then there's my little web of everything that connects out from there. Your little link tree there? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay, so people can find you through there. Their podcast yeah. is listed there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll make sure that that's in the show notes. And uh, you already gave your parting wisdom. So yeah, uh, yeah definitely uh, people need to not get hung up. And it just like the big takeaway I have from you is like you've, you've invested in education, you've mm -hmm. taken action. Yeah. Uh, you, it's like, it's never like you spent money and didn't take something from that and, yeah. and grow. Yeah, even if it was a, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, this is somebody I don't want information from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even yeah. that's valuable because then yeah. you can learn how to pick a better one next time. Yeah, no, for sure. Cool. All right, well, awesome. I appreciate you coming thank over you. And, uh, and chatting about this. Cool, thank you. Thank you. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.